All right, we've just had the interest rate announcement by the Fed after the FOMC meeting. Where are we? We got 75 basis points, uh, 0.75, which is quite, I mean, it's what we expected. It was the lower range of what we expected. There was a wild card that said we could have got a one percentage point uh, increase. We didn't get the one percentage point. We got 75 basis points. Interestingly, 12 of the Fed members voted for the, Fed, the Fed's fund rate action. So it was 12 to nothing, basically. So everybody agreed that 75 basis points was the correct uh, the correct way to do it. Um, the markets, let's look at what the markets did. So the markets did something actually quite interesting, and I, I still can't work out exactly why they did this, because the optimistic scenario was that we were going to get a 75 basis point rate hike. We got a 75 basis point rate hike. Um, the market went up to like 19,800, 19,900. And now we're back down at eighteen thousand nine hundred. So that's what uh, what came out what what came onto the market. So uh, we're going to be here. We're going to be live. We're going to be bringing you Powell's uh, press conference. Um, we're going to be watching the markets. We're going to be watching the charts, candle by candle, minute by minute, second by second. Um, we're going to be analyzing the numbers. There's a lot to do here. So listen, if you're new to the channel, uh, subscribe to the channel. If you've been here before, just like this content. Um, I've got my whiskey ready. I don't know about you guys. I've oh, oh, oh. Cheers, bro. I don't have ice, man. I don't have ice. I don't have ice. So. <laughs> Let me just pour that. This is a very, very, very don't, good Don't you think this is a big day for the for the year? Just for, for you know, we've been through it. It's, it's a big day. Someone says, you know what? Let's hit the anthem. Let's hit the anthem, boys. Fuck out of bed, bitch, go. Get up, get up, and get the guy go. Time to wake up, time to wake up, bitch, get up. Get up, get up, get up. Get up. I look pretty liquidated because I took a bit of a, a little bit of a long position. <laughs> a little bit of a long position. But I mean, I'm not, I'm waiting for Powell's talk. I've got, so here's how it works. I've got two screens open in front of me that you can't see. Then I've got two phones to trade on because I need to trade on both phones. Uh, both of them got different accounts on them because uh, I never use my normal phone to trade crypto. Are you longing normal. and shorting or are you just longing? I'm just long. I'm, wow, okay. I'm very responsibly long. And actually now I'm looking at the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ actually down quite a bit. NASDAQ took out the stock market started looking too good. Tell me about it. Oof. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's look at what happened. Let's look at where we're at. So we have Bitcoin at 18,934. Um, that's after the Fed increased interest rates by 0.75 or by 75 basis points, as you can see over here. Uh, 12 to nothing in terms of the, the, the fund rates. Let's look at what they are expecting for the next meeting. So now we have, let's just compare the next meeting. Remember the next meeting is the last meeting before the midterm election. So the meeting is on the 2nd of November and the elections are on the 7th of November. Okay, so let's look at this. So for November, a 
50 basis points has got 14%, a 75 basis point has got uh, 84%, and a uh, 1% and, and a 1% has got a um, uh, 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 1.7%. Okay, so that's where we're at. This is the chart that is going absolutely crazy. This is the Dixie. Have a look at that. Look at that chart. Look at that. Look at that chart. Dixie not 111.35. That is that's huge. That is absolutely, absolutely huge. Uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, this level, I don't think we've seen in 20 years. I don't think we've seen the Dixie this strong in 20 years. Let's yeah, actually 2002, go. 2002. 2002. Yeah, let's look at that. So here's the last time that the Dixie was at that level. It was uh, 1st of July, 2002. We were at this level. And on the way up, we broke that in August 2000. So that's, uh, that's, where, we, that's, that's where we're at. Um, okay, the euro also down against the dollar, 0.9834. I think also down at, let's just look at the monthly. I think it's also since the last time that the euro was at this oh, level. Wow. was also August 2002. Um, I read the Fed statement, which it, what happens now is that Powell's going to just read the statement that he, that, that they, they, so the, the Fed actually give the press release, which is exactly what Powell's going to read. That's what Powell's going to read. He's going to say, recent indicators point to modest growth <laughs> in production. Job gains have been robust in recent months. And unemployment has remained low. Inflation remains elevated, reflecting supply and demand imbalances related to the pandemic, higher food prices and energy prices, and broader price pressures. Russia's war against Ukraine is causing tremendous human and economic hardship. The war and related events are creating additional upward pressure on inflation and are weighing on global economic activity. The committee is highly attentive to the inflation risks. <laughs> the committee seeks to achieve maximum employment and inflation at the rate of 2% over the long run. In support of these goals, the committee decided to raise, raise the target range for the federal funds rate to 3 to 3.25%. Three and anticipates that ongoing increases in the target range will be appropriate. In addition, the committee will continue reducing its holdings of treasury securities and agency debts and agency mortgage-backed securities, as described in the plans for reducing the size of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet that were issued in May. The committee is strongly committed to returning inflation to its 2% objective. In assessing the appropriate stance <laughs> of money... Are you going to read the whole... <laughs> Well, he's gonna. He's about to do it. You, you, he's you, you, you're to doing it. a really good job, though. You're doing a really, really fantastic and then job. Gonna say, in assessing the appropriate stance of monetary policy, the committee will continue to monitor the implications of incoming information for the economic outlook. The committee. Oh, live. He's not live yet. He's only live I'm in not, ten I'm minutes. Just seeing, okay. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching. Yeah, I see you. It, it's me. Come on, exactly. Powell is live. It's me that's live, people. I'm just saying. What <laughs> Anyway, then he's going to say, I'll not open the floor up to any questions. And then they're obviously going to go to the Washington Post first and, 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 and everything else. Um, so that I don't see what everyone's panicking about. Like, why is everybody panicking? Why? Where, where is? I'm reading this. I don't see any reason to panic. I've looked at the, the target funds rate. So let's look at this. This is the target funds rate. Um, hold on. Let me find that for you. Here's a target funds rate. They're saying that the Fed's median forecast shows that rate will be at 4.6% in 2023 and 3.9% in 2024. Um, 
right now that's three to three and a quarter percent. So still quite a way up to go. Um, I'm getting input here from all our research groups. I'm just going to call it up as I see it. Um, let's have a look here. Fed funds median terminal dot is, is um, the most on record. We've got the highest interest rates now in a long time. Uh, let's see what else is coming out here. Let's see what else is coming out here. Ted Talks Macro says, let's see, he's, he's, he's actually got some alpha. Let's quickly read Ted Talks Macro's alpha while we're waiting. The market reaction is not to the hike. It's on the shifting in the dot plan. Considerably higher projections for the Fed fund rate than back in June when it was last updated. Okay, so that's what the market's re um, uh, reacting to. They're reacting to page, I think it's this dot plan over here. I think it's this plan over here where they're reacting to where, I think this is where everybody believes FOMC participants' assessment of appropriate monetary policy, midpoint of target and on-target level for the Fed's fund rate. And that's what the market's reacting to. That's why the market came down. I guess now it all comes to Powell. And I don't know if he can be that hawkish, uh, given what's going on in, 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 um, in Russia. I think we need to be watching two charts. Maybe you can set up your trading view and watch. We need to be watching Bitcoin and the NASDAQ at the same time. Cool. I'll get it up. I see XRP is looking good, huh? By the way, guys, the XRP, one... bro, the XRP army is back. I see it's it's, it's looking pretty strong, huh? Yeah, I don't even follow XRP, but I mean, if, if you say so, let's quickly call it up. Why don't you call it up? Let's have a look. Oh, look, it's not it's not really reacting much to... Uh, let me get the shared screen. I just saw some comments. Um, it's looking pretty good, huh? Well, they're like, coming here. The... Their case with the SEC is coming to a close now. I don't know. It's one token that that's not uh, giving a shit right now. Okay, so you want Bitcoin and you want the the Nasdaq. Nasdaq on one chart, and let's look at the three okay. minutes or the let's look at the smallest quick. time range that we can actually do. Um, guys, if you're new to our channel, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the channel. Um, if you are part of the fam, just like this content. Tell everybody that we're out there. Share this as well because you know when you when you share this, that's um, that's when the algorithm knows that we're doing good stuff. And here I am. We are bringing you crypto love and crypto wisdom after having been here already for 12 hours. Okay, so just give us some love. Let's get everybody here. Let's make this the biggest live um, streaming um, viewing party that there is. Also, I see we've got some space in the waiting room. Uh, Fred, why don't you tweet the StreamYard link on my Twitter and let's get some of the audience to come and watch this viewing party with us. Let's check some of the market with us. <laughs> yep, I'm on it. All right, so let's yeah. Um. Okay. Someone says, well, what's happening to my positions? Obviously, I'm down on my positions because you saw that I took them at 19,200. But it's just very calculated. I mean, I know what I'm doing. I'm waiting for Powell to speak and I'm, I'm, I'm holding on, on to those positions um, tight. This, people ask me, what brand is this? This is actually a Japanese whiskey. So it's very, very good. Very good Japanese whiskey. Mm. <laughs> wow. Delicious. The only thing is I need ice. It's very, 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 um, very hard to drink uh, Without, without ice. Okay, what's going on here? Let's just see. Let's just see. Um, okay, I'm, me, so the reacting market is reacting to dots. Um, Fed swaps indicate terminal rate will be more than 4.6%. So the market's now really waking up to the fact that the interest rates are going to go up and they're going to go up quite a bit. All right, so we're watching. Uh, let's, go, let's watch NASDAQ. I think the Dow's the wrong the wrong measure for this. Okay, I just need to load it again. What's the ticker again? US tick. US tick is the ticker. 
Is it this one? Yes, that one. Cool. Someone says, why do you drink? I need to drink whiskey with stones. Drinking it like this, unless you're going to down it, is a problem. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> unless you're really going to down it, then drinking like this is really tough. Um, see what's going on. I'm just, I'm just doing, I'm getting fed. You know, this is obviously an unprepared stream because we, we never know what's going to happen on this day. See, crypto. Okay. Um, okay, let's have a look here. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so we are watching the NASDAQ and the Dow. What candles are those? Those are the one-minute candles. What is that? Five minutes, five minutes. I mean, that's a, that's a big time frame for a DJ like you. Okay, I got you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's the three minutes, three minutes. One minute's heart attack shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Oh, you see, it's, it's always the same guys that managed to get in here. We've got DJ and Mitch watching here. Mitch watching here. That's DJ and Mitch in the back watching with us. Hey, guys, if you want to be in the back of the, of the stream, put your cameras on and join us like, like, like real people. Um, not having your camera on. I, 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 don't need to watch, uh, I don't need to watch the stream with, uh, with, um, uh, with, uh, with people like where I can't see their faces. Okay, so I see Mitch. Uh, I see Rashad. But Rashad, switch your camera on. Or I'm kicking you out of the studio. Okay, I see crypto, crypto cranial. If you if you're back here, if if okay, so you, no camera, you are kicked out of studio. Goodbye. Okay, and let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay, I'm got Antonio. We got Antonio watching with us. Antonio, welcome. We got DJ. Welcome. Hey guys. Hey, what's happening? The big echo. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Okay, we got to see we got the community watching with us today. We got the, we got a big community watching with us today. Um, okay, let's see. Also, yeah, we got Brian. Welcome. We got Antonio. Welcome, buddy. Everyone here is in the back. In in. Oh, okay. Hold on. We got Bitcoin picking up slightly. Bitcoin picking up slightly. I guess the Nasdaq. <laughs> uh, trash Helm. I mean, who the hell is Trash Helm? Trash Helm. <laughs> Sheldon, can you add another chart there? Can you add the Dixie, or is it? Are we are we pushing out like this? I can. It just it just might look look. Let me put the Dixie. Let's put the Dixie in mind. We can't be trading the Dixie. Dixie is actually coming down on the three minute chart. Um, no, no. Okay, let's, I'll let's get it up now. Let me let me see if I can make it. Let's work. keep it at two. Let's keep it at two charts. Let's keep it at two charts. Um, yeah, let's keep it at two charts. Hold on. Okay, let's go. Let's get it up here. Two charts. No, it's not the same. Let's just have two charts. And I mean, people are saying XRP mooning. Okay, yeah, so dude, it's what? looking. Let's see where it's at. Uh, okay, no, no, it's, it's okay. So it's better to have only two charts, huh? Yeah. Fred, I think we should change the uh, uh, take Joe's recommendation in the management group. Just go and have a look at the management group. Um, Joe's got a good recommendation. Um, quick anybody one. has anything in the research group? Just feed me. I am watching our research group live. Uh, I see. Let's just see. I've got some info, some more info. The info now. Um, yeah. Every, see, everyone Everyone is re responding to the dots. Clearly extra hawkish on the dots. 4.6% by 2023. Higher than the market had priced in and much higher than June's dots. So that's what everybody's reacting to. That's why the market's come down. Wow. Uh, but I see we are making up some lost ground. I see we are making up some lost ground, as you can see. Um, <laughs> K, 
Okay, let's get your two. Okay, the, the, the press conference is about to start. If you haven't smashed the like button, smash the like button. Uh, one minute to go before Pal stands up. Don't worry, I've got this. I'm watching this right here. You see, I've got it. Oh wait, <laughs> I need to have it on my on my stream. Otherwise, let's see. Maybe you'll be able to hear. And um, okay, let's see. Let's see. Alrighty, good morning, pal. Be gentle. Come on, pal. be gentle, pal. Thirty-four thousand people watching their stream. Seven thousand watching our stream. That's that's not on, guys. Smash the like button. Let's get this up. If you're not subscribed to our channel, subscribe to the channel. Um, maybe we'll do some ten x Bybit accounts. We haven't ten x the Bybit account or a Bitget account. I think for it's a good idea, bro. Oh, let's maybe do those. Maybe let's do those. Um, let me know what you prefer. Okay, here we go. Pal's coming on. Come on, brother. Okay, here we go. Can you hear me? Can you hear? Can you hear, pal? I can hear. Yeah. Uh, okay. Wait. Let's. But let's put wait, the wait, let's, let's wait and see if he talks. Okay. Okay. He's not talking yet. Just that awkward silence. <laughs> Paul is much later. Paul's running later than we usually run for a stream. <laughs> yeah, we're not the only ones. <laughs> Where's Ran, Fred? You disappear, bro. Yeah, you well, My colleagues and I are strongly committed to bringing inflation back down to our 2% goal. We have both the tools we need and the resolve that it will take to restore price stability on behalf of American families yeah. and businesses. Price stability is the responsibility of the Federal Reserve and serves as the bedrock of our economy. Without price stability, the economy does not work for anyone. In particular, without price stability, we will not achieve a sustained period of strong labor market conditions that benefit all. Today, the FOMC raised its policy interest rate by three quarters of a percentage point, and we anticipate that ongoing increases will be appropriate. We are moving our policy stance purposefully to a level that will be sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2%. In addition, we are continuing the process of significantly reducing the size of our balance sheet. I will have more to say about today's monetary policy actions after briefly reviewing economic developments. The U.S. economy has slowed from the historically high growth rates of 2021, which reflected the reopening of the economy following the pandemic recession. Recent indicators point to modest growth of spending and production. Growth in consumer spending has slowed from last year's rapid pace, in part reflecting lower real disposable income and tighter financial conditions. Activity in the housing sector, sector has weakened significantly, in large part reflecting higher mortgage rates. Higher interest rates and slower output growth also appear to be weighing on business fixed investment, while weaker economic growth abroad is restraining exports. As shown in our summary of economic projections, since June, FOMC participants have marked down their projections for economic activity, with the median projection for real GDP growth standing at just 0.2% this year and 1.2% next year, well below the median estimate of the longer run normal growth rate. 
Despite the slowdown in growth, the labor market has remained extremely tight, with the unemployment rate near a 50-year low, job vacancies near historical highs, and wage growth elevated. Job gains have been robust, with employee employment rising by an average of 378,000 jobs per month over the last three months. The labor market continues to be out of balance, with demand for workers substantially exceeding the supply of available workers. The labor force participation rate showed a welcome uptick in August, but has little changed better. since the beginning of the year. That was better. FOMC participants expect supply and demand conditions in the labor market to come into better balance over time, easing the upward pressure on wages and prices. The median projection in the SEP for the unemployment rate rises to 4.4% at the end of next year, a half percentage point higher than in the June projections. Over the next three years, the median unemployment rate runs above the median estimate of its longer run normal level. Inflation remains well above our 2% longer run goal. Over the 12 months ending in July, <clears throat> total PCE prices rose 6.3%, excluding the volatile food and energy categories, core PCE prices rose 4.6%. In August, the 12 month change in, consumer, in the consumer price index was 8.3% and the change in the core CPI was 6.3%. Price pressures remain evident across a broad range of goods and services. Although gasoline prices have turned down in recent months, they remain well above year earlier levels, in part reflecting Russia's war against Ukraine, which has boosted prices for energy and food and has created additional upward pressure on inflation. There's a dovish tone. There's a positive the tone. The median projection in the SEP for total PCE inflation is 5.4% this year and falls to 2.8% next year, 2.3% in 2024, and 2% in 2025. Participants continue to see risks to inflation as weighted to the upside. Despite elevated inflation, longer-term inflation expectations appear to remain well anchored, as reflected in a broad range of surveys of households, businesses, and forecasters, as well as measures from financial markets. But that is not grounds for complacency. The longer the current bout of, bout of high inflation continues, the greater the chance that expectations of higher inflation will become entrenched. The Fed's monetary policy actions are guided by our Dixie. mandate to promote maximum employment and stable prices for the American people. My colleagues and I are acutely aware that high inflation imposes significant hardship as it erodes purchasing power, especially for those least able to meet the higher costs of essentials like food, housing, and transportation. We are highly attentive to the risks that high inflation poses to both sides of our mandate, and we are strongly committed to returning inflation to our 2% objective. At today's meeting, the committee raised the target range for the federal funds rate by three quarters of a percentage point, bringing the target range to three to three and a quarter percent. And we are continuing the process of significantly reducing the size of our balance sheet, which plays an important role in firming the stance of evidence that inflation is moving down, consistent with inflation returning to 2%. We anticipate that ongoing increases in the target range for the federal funds rate will be appropriate. The pace of those increases will continue to depend on the incoming data and the evolving outlook for the economy. With today's action, we have raised interest rates by three percentage points this year. At some point, as the stance of monetary policy tightens further, 
it will become appropriate to slow the pace of increases while we assess how our cumulative policy adjustments are affecting the economy (laughs) and inflation. We will... Okay, right, let's everybody get out. We are taking forceful get and rapid steps to moderate really demand so that it comes into better alignment with supply. <laughs> our overarching focus is using our tools to bring inflation back down to our 2%. <laughs> He's right, God. Can everyone hear me? Can everyone hear me? Everyone hear me? I see people be dropping off. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. Okay, cool. Around the man. Yo, buddy, what happened? What's happening here, bro? I don't know. Give me a second. Back, across the country, uh, everything is in service to our public mission. We at the Fed will do everything we can to achieve our maximum employment and price stability goals. Thank you, and I look forward to your questions. That's what I said. Thank you, and I look forward to your questions. That's what he said. Okay, we're back. We're back. Tell Hi, Chair Powell. Thank you for taking our questions. Gina Smiley from the New York Times. I wonder if you could give us a little detail around how you'll know when to slow down these rate increases and how you'll eventually know when to stop. So I will answer your, I will answer your question directly, but I want to start uh, here today by saying that my main message has not changed at all since Jackson Hole. Uh, the FOMC is strongly resolved to bring inflation down to 2%. And we will keep at it until the job is done. So um, the way we're thinking about this Why did you is, have to say that? What was um, the point of it? The overarching fo- focus of the committee is getting inflation back down to 2%. Uh, to accomplish that, we think we'll need to do two things in particular uh, to achieve a period of growth below trend and also some softening in labor market conditions to foster a better balance between demand and supply in the labor market. So. On the first, uh, uh, committee's forecasts and those of most outside forecasters do show growth running below its longer run potential this year and next year. On the second, though, so far there's only modest evidence that the labor market is cooling off. Job openings are down a bit. Uh, As you know, quits are off their all-time highs. There's some signs that some wage measures may be flattening out but not moving up. Payroll gains have moderated but not much. And in light of the... um, uh, high inflation we're seeing, we think we'll need to, and in light of w- w- what I just said, we, we think that we'll need to bring uh, our, our funds rate to a restrictive level and to keep it there for some time. So um, what will we be looking at, I guess, is your question. So we'll be looking at a few things. First, we'll want to see growth continuing to run below trend. We'll want to see t- movements in the labor market showing a return to a better balance between supply and demand. And ultimately, we'll want to see clear evidence that inflation is moving back down uh, to, to 
So that's what we'll be looking for. Um, in terms of, um, of reducing rates, I think we'd, we'd want to be very confident that inflation is moving back down uh, to 2 to 2% before we would consider that. Don't get complacent because any question can send this market moving uh, now. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Steve Leisman, CNBC. Yeah, can I you talk up. how you factor in uh, the variable lags on inflation and the extent to which um, the outlook for rates should be seen as linear in the sense that you keep raising rates? Or can you envision a time when there's a pause to uh, kind of look at what has been wrought in the economy? from the rate increases. Thank you. Great question. Is there going to be a sure. pause at some point? Great question. So, um, yes, Steve. Yes, Steve. Of course, monetary policy does does famously work with long and variable lags. Uh, the way I think of it is our, our policy decisions affect financial conditions. Our coins are looking stronger. These have usually been affected well before we actually announce our decisions. Then changes in financial conditions begin to affect uh, act economic activity fairly quickly within a few months. But it's likely to take some time um, uh, to see the full full effects Markets of are flying. changing financial flying. conditions on inflation. So All we are, are pumping. very mindful for that, and that's why I noted in my in my opening remarks that at some point, as the stance of policy tightens further, it will become appropriate to slow the pace of rate hikes while we assess how our cumulative policy adjustments are affecting the economy and inflation. So that's how we think about that. Look, Your second question, sorry, was. Is there a davish. point in time pausing? Is it linear that you keep raising rates, or is there? Oh, I'm sorry. I should know better than to not talk with my microphone. Um, I should know better than to answer your second question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, is it linear? Do you keep raising rates, or is there a pause that you could envision where you kind of figure out uh, what what has happened to the economy and give uh, time to catch up uh, in the real economy? The, the rate increase time to catch up in the real economy. Thank you. So, so I think I think it's it's very hard to say with a precise certainty the way this is going to unfold. As I mentioned, what we think we need to do and should do is to move our policy rate to a restrictive level that's restrictive enough to bring inflation down to two percent, where we have confidence of that. And what you see in the SEP numbers is people's views as of as of today, as of this meeting, as to the, the kind of levels that will be appropriate. Now, those 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 will those will evolve over time. And I think we'll we'll um, we'll just have to, to see how that goes. I, I, th there is a possibility, certainly, that we would go to go to a certain level that we we're confident in and and stay there for a time. Um, but we're not at that level clearly today. We're you know we're just uh, we, we've just moved. I think probably into the very the very lowest level of what might be restrictive. And and certainly in my view and in the view of the committee, there's uh, there's uh, a ways to go. Hey, Rachel. Hi, Chair Powell, Rachel Siegel from The Washington Post. Thank you for taking our questions. The projections show the unemployment rate rising to 4.4% next year. And historically, th that kind of rise in the unemployment rate would typically bring a recession with it. Should we interpret that to mean no soft landing? And is that kind of rise necessary to get inflation down? Right. So, um, so you're right. In, in the in the SEP, there is a what I would characterize as a relatively modest increase in the unemployment rate from a historical perspective, given the expected de to decline in inflation. Now, why is that? So really, it is that is um, what we generally expect uh, because we see the current situation as um, 
outside of historical experience in a number of ways. And I'll, I'll mention a couple of those first, and you know these, but first job openings are incredibly high relative to the number of people looking for work. Uh, it's plausible, I'll say, that job openings could come down significantly and they, they need to without as much of an increase in unemployment as has happened in earlier historical episodes. So that's one thing. In addition, in this cycle, uh, longer run inflation expectations are, have generally been fairly well anchored. Uh, I, I, and I've, as I've said, there's no, no basis for complacency there. But to the extent that uh, continues to be the case, that should make it easier to restore price stability. And I guess the, the third thing I would point to that's different this time is that part of this inflation is caused by this series of supply shocks that we've had, beginning with the pandemic and really with, really with the reopening of the economy, and more recently amplified and added to by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, have all contributed to the sharp increase in inflation. So these are, these are the kinds of events that are not really seen in, in prior business cycles. And in principle, if those things uh, start to get better, and we do see some evidence of the beginnings of that, uh, it's not much more than that, but it's, it's good to see that. Um, for example, commodity prices look like they may have peaked for now. Supply chain disruptions are beginning to resolve. Those developments, if sustained, could help ease the pressures on inflation. So let me just say how much these factors uh, will turn out to really matter in, in, this, in this sequence of events, it remains to be seen. We have always understood that restoring price stability while Go achieving a relatively modest mm -hmm. decline, a rather increase in unemployment and a soft landing would be, would be very challenging. And, and we don't know. No one knows whether this process will lead to a recession or, if so, how significant that recession would be. That's going to depend on uh, how quickly wage and price inflation, inflation pressures come down, whether expectations remain anchored, uh, and whether, you know, also, do we get more labor supply, which would help as well. In addition, the chances of a soft landing, landing are likely to diminish to the extent that policy needs to be more restrictive or restrictive for longer. Nonetheless, uh, we're committed to getting inflation back down to 2% because we think that a failure to restore price stability would mean far greater pain later on. Are vacancies still at the top of your list in terms of understanding the labor market and how much room there is there? Yes, vacancies are still almost two to one uh, ratio to unemployed people. That's a That and quits are... are really very good ways to look at how tight the labor market is and how different it is from other cycles where uh, which where the generally the unemployment rate itself is the, is the single best indicator we think those things have for a, a, quite a time now uh, really added value He's in Davish. terms of understanding where the labor market is guys Davish. Nick. Nick Timoros of the Wall Street Journal uh, you said not too long ago uh, in describing the, the policy destination, there's still a way to go. But I, I imagine you have to have some idea about how you're thinking about your destination, whether it's a stopping point or a pausing point. And so I was wondering if you could uh, discuss how you are thinking about, uh, as the data come in, where that destination is, how it's moving up if inflation doesn't perform uh, as you expect. Do you want to have a policy rate that's above uh, the underlying inflation rate, for example. And do you have an estimate for where you think the underlying inflation rate might be in the economy right now? Well, so, again, we, we believe that we need to raise our policy stance overall to a level that is restrictive. And by that, I mean 
is is um, meaningfully put, putting mean, meaningful downward pressure on inflation. That's what we that's what we need to see in in the stance of policy. We also know that there are are long and variable lags, particularly as they relate to inflation. So it, it's a challenging assessment. So what do you look at? You look at broader financial conditions, as you know. Are you look you look at where rates are real and nominal in some cases. You look at credit spreads. You look at at at, at uh, financial conditions indexes. We also, I would think, uh, and you see this in the, this is something we talked about today in the meeting and talk about in all of our meetings, and you see this, I think, in, in the committee forecast. You want to be at a place where real rates are positive across the entire yield curve. And I, I think that would be the case if you look at the, the numbers that we're, that we're writing down and think about, um, uh, you measure those against uh, some sort of forward-looking assessment of inflation inflation expectations, I think you would see at, at that time, you'd see positive real rates across the which, across the yield curve. And that, that is also an important consideration. Howard. Uh, hi, uh, uh, Howard Schneider with Reuters. Thanks for uh, uh, the opportunity. I, I just want to be clear on the, on, on the steps. Uh, you say it's meeting by meeting, but it sure looks like we're going 75, 50, 25. Um, is 75 uh, next month the baseline? So uh, we, we make uh, one decision per meeting, and the meeting decision we made today was to raise the federal funds rate by, by 75. Um, you're right that a, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, the median for, uh, for the year end suggests another 125 basis points in rate increases. Um, but there's also there's a you know there's another fairly large group that that saw 100 basis points, addition to where we are today, so that would be 25 basis points less. So you know we're going to make that decision at the meeting. We had we didn't make that decision today. We didn't vote on that. Um, I would say that you know we're committed to getting to a restrictive level of um, uh, for the federal funds rate and getting there pretty quickly, and uh, that's what we're thinking about. So just as, as a follow-up to that, I'm wondering about the sort of risk management considerations here. Given there's some discussion now of, of overdoing it, what's the incentive to continue front-loading right now? Um, is it a lack of progress on inflation seen in the CPI reports, or is it a, a motivation to get as much done while the uh, job market is still as strong as it is? So what, what we've seen is um, inflation has, we've, our expectation has been that we would begin to see inflation come down, largely because of, of supply side uh, healing. By now, we would have thought to, that we would have seen some of that. We haven't. We have seen some supply side healing, but inflation has not really come down. If you look at, at core PCE inflation, which is you know, a good measure of where inflation is running now, uh, if you look at it on a three, six, and 12-month trailing annualized basis, you'll see that, that inflation is at 4.8%, 4.5%, and 4.8%. So that's those. That's a pretty good summary of where we are with inflation, and that's not where we expected or wanted to be. So what that tells us is that we we need to continue, and we, and we can keep doing these, uh, and, and we did today do another large increase as we approach the level that we think we need to get to, and we're still discovering what that level is. But people are writing that down in their SEP uh, where they think policy needs to be. So that that's how that's how we're thinking about it. Let's go to Colby. Bitcoin 196, NASDAQ. Uh, Chair Paul, how should we interpret the fact that core inflation is still not forecast in the SEP to be back uh, to target in 2025? 
and yet the dot plot projects cuts as early as 2024. And does that mean there's a level of inflation um, above the 2% target that the Fed is willing to tolerate? So I guess core is at 2.1 in 2025 and in the median and, and, and headline is at 2.0. So that's pretty close. I mean, we, we write down our forecasts and we, we figure out what the median is and we publish it. So it's not, um, I mean, I, I would say that if, you know, if, if, if the, actually if the economy followed this path, this would be a pretty good outcome. But you're right, it is a tenth higher than 2%. Okay, just as a quick follow-up, I mean, if the concern is that underlying inflation is becoming more entrenched perhaps each month, then why forego the more aggressive 100 basis point increase today? And does that risk having to do more later on? Yeah, so we, um, as, we, as we said, you know, at the last press conference and in between that one and this one, we said that uh, we would make our decision based on the overall data coming in. So if you remember, we, we, got a, we got a surprisingly low reading in July and then a surprisingly high, surprisingly high re reading for August. So I think you have to, you, you can't really, you never want to overreact too much to any one data point. So if you look, if you look at them together, and as I just mentioned, if you really, really look at this year's inflation, three, six and 12 month trailing, you see inflation is running too high. It's running 4.5% or above. You don't need to know much more than that. If that's the one thing you know, you know that, that this committee is committed to getting to a you know, meaningfully restrictive stance of policy and staying there until, until we feel confident that inflation is coming down. That's how we, that's how we think about it. Victoria. Where's Gina? Um, hi, Victoria Guido with Politico. I wanted to ask about um, the balance sheet. You all have left open the possibility that you might sell mortgage-backed securities, but we've okay. seen Victoria. significant slowing in the housing market. Mortgage rates have gone up significantly, and I'm just wondering whether conditions there uh, might affect your plans for, for how quickly you have the runoff on the MBS side. So we, what we said, as you know, was that... Um, we would consider that uh, once balance sheet uh, runoff is well underway. I would say it's not something we're considering right now and not something I expect to be considering uh, in the near term. It's just uh, it's something I think we will turn to. But that time, the time for turning to it, it has not come and is not close. Well, and will conditions in the housing market affect that decision? I think a number of things might affect that decision. But the main thing is we're not considering that decision and I don't expect that we will anytime soon. <clears throat> Neil, Let's get some comments on this uh, Neil Irwin with Axios. Um, a number of commentators have uh, come to the view, and uh, including over at the World Bank, that simultaneous global tightening around the world is uh, creates a risk of a global recession that's worse than is necessary to bring inflation down. Uh, how do you see that risk? Uh, how do you think of coordination with your fellow central bankers? Uh, and uh, is there is there much risk of, of overdoing it on a global level? Um. So we, we um, actually, my colleagues and I, a number of my FOMC colleagues and I just got back from a, one of our frequent trips to uh, Basel, Switzerland, to meet with other senior central bank officials from around the world. We are in pretty regular contact and we exchange, of course, we all serve a domestic mandate, domestic objectives, in our case, the dual mandate, maximum employment price stability. But we regularly discuss uh, uh, what we're seeing in terms of our own economy and international spillovers. And it's, it's a very ongoing, constant kind of a process. So um, we are very aware of what's going on in, in other economies around the world and what that means for us and vice versa. Our, the forecasts that we, 
that we put together, that our staff puts together and that we put together on our own, always take all of that, try to take all of that into account. I mean, I can't say that we do it perfectly, but it's not, it's not as if we don't think about, you know, the, the policy decisions, very, very monetary dovish. policy and otherwise, the economic developments that are taking place in major economies that can have an effect on the U.S. economy. That is very much baked into our our own forecast and our own understanding of, of, you know, of the U.S. economy as best we can. It won't be perfect. So, you know, I, I don't see it, 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 it hard to talk about collaboration in a world where people have very different uh, levels of interest rates. If you remember, there were coordinated cuts and raises and things like that at various times. And but really, really, we're all we're in very different situations. But I, I will tell you, that our, our, our contact is more or less ongoing. And it's not coordination, but there's a lot of information sharing. And we all, I think, are informed by what by what other important economies and economies that are important to the United States are doing. Uh, Craig. Craig from Bloomberg. Uh, Chair Powell, you talked about some ways the um, higher interest rates are affecting the economy, but we've also seen a resilient labor market with durable consumption, uh, strong corporate profits. And I'm wondering what your story is on the resilience of the economy. After all, you and your colleagues said, well, we started tightening in March when we were talking about interest rates in the future. And indeed, Treasury rates moved up. So we should have had a lot of tightening um, taking effect. Why is the economy, in your view, so resilient? And does it mean that we might need a possibly higher terminal rate? You're, you're right. Of course, the labor market in particular has been has been very strong. Um, but there are the you know the the sectors of the economy that are uh, most interest rate sensitive are sensitive are certainly uh, showing the effects of our tightening. And of course, the obvious example is housing, where you see declining activity and of all different kinds, and and housing price increases moving down. So we're having an effect on um, on interest sensitive spending. Uh, I think through through exchange rates, we're having an effect on on uh, exports and imports. Uh, I think um, so. All of that's happening, but you're right. It's a, and we've, we've we've said this. You know, this is a this is a strong, robust economy. Um, people have savings on their balance sheet uh, from the period when they couldn't spend and where they were getting government transfers. There's still very significant savings out there, although not as much at the, at the lower end of the income spectrum, but still some savings out there to support growth. The, 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 the states are very flush with cash. So there's a good reason to think that this, this will continue to be a reasonably strong economy. Now, the data, the data sort of are, are showing that growth is, is, is going to be below trend this year. We think of trend as being about 1.8% in that range. Um, we, we were forecasting growth well below that, and most forecasters are. But you're right; there is a there's there's certainly a possibility that 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 growth can be stronger than that. And you know that's a good thing because because that means the economy will be more resistant to uh, you know to a significant downturn. Um, you know, but of course we are focused on the thing I started with, it, which is getting inflation back down to two percent. Um, we we can't fail to do that. If we, I mean, that's uh, if we were to fail to do that, that would be the thing that would be most painful for the people that we serve. So, for now, that has to be our our, our overarching focus. And you see that I think in the uh, in the SEP in in the levels of rates that we'll be moving to. 
reasonably quickly, uh, assuming things turn out roughly in line with the SCP. So that's how we think about it. Dixie's coming down quite sharply. NASDAQ's at about 12,000. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. In a uh, world of euphemisms that we live in here with uh, below trend growth and a modest increase in unemployment, I'm wondering if I could ask you a couple of direct questions for the American people. Uh, do the odds now favor, given where you are and where you're going with interest rates, favor a recession? 4.4% um, unemployment is about 1.3 million jobs. Is that acceptable job loss? And then given that the data you look at is backward looking and the lags in your policy are forward looking and you don't know what they are, how will you know or will you know if you've gone too far? So I, I don't... Um I don't know what the odds are. I think that, that there's a very high likelihood that we'll have uh, a period of what I've mentioned is below trend growth, by which I mean much lower growth. And we're seeing that now. So the median forecast, I think, this year for uh, among my colleagues and, and me was 0.2% growth. So that's, that's very slow growth. And, and then below trend next year, I think the median was 1.2, also well below. So that's a slower growth. Uh, that's a, that's a very slow level of growth and it could give rise to increases in unemployment. But I think that's, so that is something that, that we think we need to have and we think we need to have softer labor market conditions as well. Um, you know, we're never going to say that there, that there are too many people working, but the, the real point is this um, inflation. What we hear from people when we meet with them is that, that they really are suffering from inflation and if we want to set ourselves up, really, really light the way to another period of a very strong labor market, we have got to get inflation behind us. I wish there were a painless way to do that. There isn't. So what we need to do is get rates up to, to the point where we're play, putting meaningful downward pressure on inflation. And that's what we're, that's what we're doing. And um, we, we don't, certainly don't, don't hope, we, we, we certainly haven't given up the idea that we can have a relatively modest increase in, in unemployment. Nonetheless, we need to complete this task. Come on, cut it now. It's enough. Enough questions. <laughs> Any more value? There's no more value. Hard to, hard to hypothetically uh, deal with that question. I mean, our, again, our, our, our really tight focus now continues to be ongoing rate increases to get the policy rate up, up where it needs to be. And, and as I said, you can look at, the, look at this SEP as today's estimate of where we think those rates would be, of course, they will evolve over time. Chris Rugaver. Uh, thanks, Chris Rugaver at Associated Press. I wanted to follow up with what you uh, just mentioned about the labor market. You've said several times that to have the labor market we want, we need price stability. Uh, and you've suggested maybe there isn't a trade-off in the long run, but in the short run, there is a lot of concern, as people have been expressing here, about higher unemployment as a result of these uh, rate hikes or as a result of rate hikes. So can you explain, though, uh, what about high inflation now threatens the job market? I mean, you seem to suggest that inflation, um, high inflation will, you know, will eventually lead to a weaker job market. So can you spell that out a little more? The general what are the so for starters, people are seeing their wage increases, their, their wage increases eaten up by inflation. So if, you're, if you, your family is one where you spend most of your paycheck, every paycheck cycle, on gas, food, transportation, clothing, basics of life, and prices go up the way they've been going up, you're in trouble right away. You, you don't have a cushion, and 
this is very painful for people at the lower end of the income and wealth spectrum. So that's what we're hearing from people is, you know, it, it very much that inflation is really hurting. So how do we get rid of inflation? And as I mentioned, it would be nice if there were, you know, a way to just wish it away, but there isn't. Um, we have to get supply and demand back into alignment. And the way we do that is by slowing the economy. Hopefully we do that by slowing the economy and we see a, some softening in labor market conditions and we see uh, a big contribution from supply side, uh, you know, improvements and things like that. But none of that is guaranteed. Um, in any case, we our job is to deliver price stability. And I think you can think of price stability as an asset that just delivers large benefits to society over a long period of time. We really saw that for a long time. The United States had 2% inflation, didn't move around much, and that was enormously beneficial to the public that we that we serve. And we have to get back to that and 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 keep it for a, another long period of time. To to pull back from the task of doing that is you're just you're just postponing. The record shows that if you postpone that, the delay is only likely to lead to more pain. So, um, you know, I think we're, we're moving to, to do what we need to do and do our jobs. And, and, uh, and that's what you see us doing. Thank you for taking the question, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Edward Lawrence for Fox Business. Um, so you had said that Americans and businesses need to feel some economic pain as we go forward. How long from here Shut up. should Americans be prepared Don't mention that for that pain. economic pain? How long? I mean, it, it, it really depends on how long it takes for wages and, and more than that, prices to, to come down, for, for inflation to come down. And you, you, so you, what you see in our, in our projections today is that uh, inflation moves down uh, you know, significantly over the course of next year and then more the next year after that. And, you know, I think, I think um, once you're on that path, that's, that's a good thing. And things will start to feel better to people. They'll feel lower inflation. They'll feel the economy's improving. And also, if our, if our projections are, are close to right, you, you'll see, you will see that, you know, that the costs in unemployment are, they're meaningful. And they're certainly very meaningful to the people who lose their jobs. And we talk about that in our meetings. Um, quite a lot. But um, at the same time, we'd be setting the economy up for another long period. This this era has been noted for very long expansions. We've had three of the four longest in measured history since we got inflation under control. And that's that's not an accident. So when inflation is low and stable, you can have these 9, 10, 11, 10 year uh, anyway, uh, uh, expansions. And you saw you can see what we saw in 2018, 19, and 20, which was very low unemployment, the, the, the biggest wage gains going to people at the low end of the spectrum, the smallest racial gaps that we've seen in, in, in since we started keeping track of that. So we want to get back to that. But to get there, we, we're going to have to get supply and demand back uh, in alignment. And that's going to take tight, uh, you know, tight monetary policy for a period of time. Period of time. As a follow, what, what is that economic pain in your mind? Is it job losses? Is it uh, higher interest rates on credit cards? What is that economic pain? So it's all of those things. You know, higher interest rates, slower growth, and a softening labor market are, are all painful for the public that we serve. But they're not as painful as failing to, to restore price stability and then having to come back and do it, uh, you know, down the road again and, and doing it at a time when actually – now people have really come to expect, uh, you know, high inflation. If 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 the if the 
concept of high inflation becomes entrenched in people's economic thinking about their decisions, then then sort of getting back to price stability, the cost the cost of getting back to price stability just rises. And, and so we want to avoid that. We want to we want to act aggressively now and get this job done and keep at it until it's done. Okay, enough, enough, enough. Thank you, Chairman Powell. Nicole Goodkind, CNN Business. Um, existing home sales have fallen for seven months straight. Mortgage rates are at their highest level since 2008. Um, yet mortgage demand increased this week and housing prices are still elevated. Now, at the end of your June press conference, you mentioned plans to reset the housing market. I was wondering if you could elaborate on what you mean when you say reset and uh, what you think it will take to actually get there. So when I say reset, I'm not looking at a particular specific, you know, set of data or anything. What I'm really saying is that we've we've had a we've had a time of of a red hot housing market all over the country, where you know famously houses were selling to the first buyer at 10% above the the ask before even seeing the house, that kind of thing. So um, there was a big imbalance between supply and demand. Housing prices were going up at an unsustainably fast level. So. The deceleration in housing prices that we're seeing should help bring sort of prices more closely in line with rents and other housing market fundamentals. Um, and, you know, that's a good thing. For the longer term, what we need is supply and demand to get better aligned so that housing prices go up at a reasonable level, uh, at a reasonable pace, and that uh, people can afford houses again. And I think we so we probably in the housing market have to go through a correction to get back to that place. The There's also there are also longer run issues though with the housing market, as you know, where where you know um, uh, it's it's um, difficult to find lots now close close enough to cities and things like that. So builders are having a hard time getting zoning and lots and workers and materials and things like that. But from a sort of business cycle standpoint, th this difficult correction should put the housing market back into better better balance. <laughs> Shelter made up a large part of this hot CPI report that we saw. Do you think that there is a lag and that we will see that come down in the coming months? Or do you think that there's still this imbalance that needs to be addressed? No, I, I think that shelter, shelter inflation is going to remain high for some time. You know, we're looking for it to come down, but it's not exactly clear when that will happen. Um, uh, so it may take some time. So I, I think that, I think, you know, hope for the best plan for the worst. So I, I think on shelter inflation, you just got to assume that it's going to remain pretty high for a while. Okay. We'll go to Jean for the last question. Last question. Okay. Is it Gina? Hi, Jean Young with Market Hi, News. Um, you've talked about the need to get real rates into positive territory. And you said earlier that policy is just moving into that territory now. So I'm curious um, how restrictive is, rates at 4.6% expected, is, is that expected to be next year? How restrictive? Sure. So I, I think if you look, you know, when we get to, if we, let's assume we do get to that level, um, which I think is likely, uh, you know, you, what you're going to do is you're going to adjust that for some forward measure, looking measure of, of, uh, of, um, of inflation. And, you know, that could be, you pick your measure. It could be, you know, there, there, there are all kinds of different things you can pick and you get. Well, what you'll get is a positive number. In all cases, you will get forward inflation expectations in the short term, I think, that are going to be assuming that we're doing our jobs appropriately. That will be significant. So, so you'll, you'll have a positive uh, federal funds rate at that point, by, which could be one percent or so. 
but I mean, I don't know exactly what it would be, but it would be significantly positive when we get to that level. And l- let me say, you know, we've, we've written down what we think is, is a, a plausible path for the federal funds rate. The path that we actually execute will be enough. It will be enough to restore price stability. So this is, this is something that, as you can see, they've, they've moved up and we're going to continue to watch incoming data and the evolving outlook and, and ask ourselves where our, whether our policy is in the right place as we go. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay. So we are exactly where we started. We actually, we are exactly where we started. So after this whole thing, whole volatility, you look at what we did here. We, we are exactly where we started. Bitcoin is at 19,250. Oh, 19,350. Okay. So we're up, I'm up $120 in my position. Uh, the NASDAQ is at 11,900, which is exactly where we started it. The Dixie is at 11.93. It's been as high as uh 111.56 so overall what do you think i think he was davish i think he was davish bro let's get some community members on and just see what they were thinking hold on a second uh paula davish or or hawkish i just want to short (laughs) just go down (laughs) i don't think he was duckish or hawkish at all what was he was he positive? Was he negative? I mean, to me, he's just I'm nothing. Confused, to be honest with you, I'm confused. Look, I think he he's trying to keep the market stable. Uh, I don't think you know we're going into midterms. He doesn't want to crash the markets. I I, I really don't think so. Yeah, I, see, I hear you. Uh, I see Ape is up ten percent. Let's quickly have a look at the Ape. Alpha did pretty well. I was pretty shocked to see that they were. They, they, they were moving really good. Look at everything. I think we look at the percentages here. XRP, wow. one of the leaders, comp. Like, this is pretty good. Compound, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's good. good. ETH, ETH proof of works, good. Near all of them. So if this market does go bullish from here, you know, the altcoins are looking incredibly strong. I don't know. It feels bullish. I, I, you know, I hate saying this because if, the last time <laughs> I said this the next morning is when we got the, the, the big uh, candle. The big, the <laughs> but I, I don't know. It just feels bullish. What do you think? Uh, let's see. Let, let's see what else we got here. Brett, what do you think, buddy? Uh, Ran, um, yeah, I think it's uh, uh, I think it's neutral. Hey, I, I don't think he wanted to shake up the market. I think some guys were hoping for a a big short. Um, I actually went long at eighteen nine. I got closed out at nineteen five hundred, so made a little bit of dollar, which was great. And now just waiting to yes, see where man. the market takes us. Yes, man. I'm also you know I bought at nineteen two fifty earlier on the show. It's now nineteen five, so I'm a little bit up. I'm still net down though, but it's fine because I'm buying these for long. I'm buying a long-term position here. I think I'll be fine. I think I'll be fine. Uh, we've got some more space. We can get like three or four more of you in the studio. If anybody wants to join, just join the links on my Twitter. Um, let's see who's who else is here. We've got uh, I don't know trash. I can't call you trash. I just feel uncomfortable. Trash you. Don't, you don't have to. You don't have to feel uncomfortable. I don't know. It's from, not to call people trash. Uh, it's from Neo Tokyo. So I got a trash <laughs> helm on my head. So I figure why not embrace it? What um, do you think? Barish, how, how are you feeling after this? How are you feeling after everything? Soft. I thought soft. he was really soft. Uh, I took a, I took a 10x long at 13.20 on that dip. I mean, you got to be ETH. kidding me. You got to get in on that. Yeah. ETH. ETH oversold. ETH oversold. You know, uh, if there is- Bounce, ETH, ETH must bounce because ETH's oversold. Yeah, tight stops, but definitely stacking. I mean, I, I think from like a soft to neutral perspective, I think with the midterms coming up, 
he's got he's got entirely too much weighing on him to just crash markets. And if we've got 20 announcements coming around the world, he's pissing his pants about whether or not he can. He doesn't. He doesn't want this on his hands. He doesn't want to collapse on his hands. Nobody does. I mean, unless he's secretly a Republican. Like, if he's secretly a Republican <laughs> and he wants the Republicans to come in, and you know, he just it, it, he just plays he just plays the other game because it you know it, it doesn't matter what side he's on. It, he's he's playing he's playing the lobby. He's he's trying to play the field, and he's trying not to piss anybody off along the way. And I mean, it's just it they're on a razor's edge. I don't, I don't know that they can, you know, it, it, they're, they're standing on a precipice of their own created problem and to deny it for as long as they did, they just let it compound. And now we've got global markets in panic. They, nobody knows what to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Look, I think it's 50 days until the midterm. Sort of what the market looks like now. It looks confused. It looks like very like, <laughs> it's emotional. It feels super emotional. And yeah. I mean, levels are disrespected all the time. It's emotional trading and it's, and nobody knows. Nobody knows. Yeah. I can I see now. See, I mean, nobody knows. And in, in, in like right now, like as he says, 50 days to the midterms, yeah. Bitcoin not moving, NASDAQ not moving, ApeCoin up 10%, um, US 10 year up at 35 and what is this? This is the euro dollar, 90.98. Just business crazy. Yeah. Business These are very American, American data. You know, you look over to Europe. Europe's a fuck show at the moment. Yeah, Euro, I, I just it's came back from Europe. Uh, it's not funny. I can tell you. I was in Germany. It's not funny. Everything is through the roof. Gas prices, I would convert it into US dollars, probably $9. Diesel, diesel it's more expensive than. Uh, than gas, crazy. unheard, unheard, yeah. you know, in Europe. Yeah, yeah, Europe's in big trouble. I, I noticed it now, but it's like, it's like as if they don't know what's about to hit them. It's like, they're living business as usual. They're buying at Louis no, Vuitton. No, they do know. They, they know what's going to hit them. They just, uh, this ESG-friendly policy is killing them. Um, do you know who destroyed, do you know who destroyed Europe? BlackRock. No. <laughs> Greta. <laughs> that's foolish. That Greta, that, that that 16 year old that told him that they were burning too much nuclear energy, she destroyed the whole of Europe because they all the narrative come from. From her, she yeah. remember she came with she came with a boat because she said she didn't want to fly the plane. Do you remember that, that whole <laughs> yes. whole thing that she did? Yes. Yeah. Someone says yeah, it's getting really cold here in Germany. I think it's going to get a lot colder in Germany. I think it's going to get a lot a, a lot colder in Germany. Someone says, "How dare you run? How dare you?" It was Greta. <laughs> Rand, the, the question is, did we not rather want the capitulation candle now? Get the, I think so, bro. We've got to get over and done with. Yeah. Whoever is a believer in this market wants to crash, right? You want to buy cheap. You yeah. Know, yes. you know, I, I, I don't trade. I don't trade. I never traded at all. I'm just a holder. But, you know, I, I would wish, you know, I would have wished for 100 basis points to get over it, you know. You know, I, I don't think it's like that. If I remember, 20, if I remember 2017 correctly, 2017... It just dragged and dragged and dragged and dragged and dragged. And I think that that's what's going to happen. Max Payne is not about price. Max Payne is about resilience, patience. about patience, not about price. Price. Not running about price, cash. Price goes up. That's not Max Payne. Max Payne is can, can the price go down 
Can it stay down? Can it keep going down a little bit longer in uh, in, 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 in time? Marines. And then can you survive it? So I always say, I, I know it's, a, it's an analogy that I keep overusing, but it's like running a marathon. It's not about the first one mile or two miles or, or peaking in one of the miles along the way. You've got to finish the 42 kilometers. And that's, that's right now it's a game of resilience. If you can stay around and you can stay motivated and you can, for 42 kilometers, you'll be good. You know, the last bull market, um, the last bear market, I stayed in until July 2020. And in July 2020, I started looking at side hustles. And thank God, one of my friends dragged me full-time back into crypto to do yield farming in August and September. And I started yield farming and making a lot of money. But even I, with all my conviction, and I had nothing else to do, and I had no other businesses, even I, with all my convictions, nearly got flashed out. And that is Max Payne. Max were, you Payne trading, is, were you trading or holding? I was holding, but I was also looking for opportunities. And crypto was my only business. I was doing deals. I was raising money. There were no deals. There was no interest. Everybody thought crypto was going to die. Um... Uh, everybody thought everybody thought crypto was going to die, um, and no, it was it was a, it was, I mean, to the point where just think about it. I left crypto for a while. I left crypto for a month, and I would have been out forever if my if my friend Winston Wolf hadn't pulled me back and said, "Hey, this is this thing called yield farming. Look how much money we can make now. Let's yield farm together." And we just used to sit on the phone and yield fa farm yams and sushi and sashimi and i mean we used to yield farm anything that, that we could farm and we made tons of cash and that kept me that kept me going and got my passion back into crypto but i'm resilient i work hard i'm resilient i've always believed in this industry and it got to a point where i nearly capitulated and that's you know we're nowhere near there man i mean people are still buying the dip people are still yeah. buying the dip on Twitter. yeah sure we're that's nowhere near, guys. We're nowhere near. There's still such a long way to go. And that's why I say, yeah. that's why I say, you got to be careful. Don't wreck yourself. Don't get into stupid trades now. Rather just keep your money and wait and wait and wait and look for the best opportunities. You know, like Back for me, opportunities, hacks and stuff like that, that's an opportunity. Yeah. Anyway, I see not much is going on. So I think maybe let's, let's, Bitcoin's at 19436, uh, NASDAQ 18. Seven, eight coin, six twenty-one, uh, US ten year at three point five, and and the euro is at uh, ninety-eight point seven. So really, really not much going on, except that I see that everybody is just falling in love with Paula in the chat. Hi, <laughs> 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 Dios. Let's Love see after Jesse. the midterms. Let's see after the midterms. All right, chef. Thank you, Madly. Glad you guys could watch it with us. Um, Thanks, guys. Get nice. some sleep, huh? Yeah, see you guys again tomorrow. Can't wait. See you guys again tomorrow. <laughs> Cheers, fellas. Cheers, guys. So, Dino, much love to you, brother. Thanks you for coming. Much love, in. bro. Much love. Let's see what happens tomorrow. See you in the morning, brother. Cool, brother. Ciao. Ciao, bro. Ciao, ciao, everyone. Thank you so much. Thanks for helping us make this happen. If you're still here, subscribe to the channel. Like this content. Tomorrow, we'll do some Bybit 10x giveaways. So, if you're not subscribed to Bybit or BitKit, Go down into the description, subscribe, put money into your account. Tomorrow we'll start doing 10Xs. All right, my friends, see you guys again tomorrow. Until then, trade well, my friends. <laughs>